If you turn with me to uh, two openings, Romans chapter 4 and Galatians chapter 3. Anybody know what kind of conference this is? Greater faith. Greater faith. If you don't feel like you got much faith, you're at the right place. And if you feel like you got a whole lot of faith, you're at the right place too. Greater faith. In praying and seeking the Lord about this, I was impressed with this uh, passage and the ones that are connected to it. And as we asked last night, if, uh, if I had to ask you, I know I'm amongst faith people here, word people. And if I asked you, who would you say was the father of the faith movement? You're hearing all, all kind of, well, some folks were here last night, too. And uh, some people might say uh, Kenneth Hagin. Of course, I, uh, I highly esteem his place in these things. But actually, you have to go back further. And some might say, well, E.W. Kenyon or Martin Luther. or No, you got to keep, keep going. Keep going. You know who's the father? Of those that live and walk by faith? Abraham. Abraham. His faith is held up as an example for all that will come after him. And uh, I'm more stirred up about the faith of Abraham than I have been before. And I want you to join me. You ready? In Romans, the, uh, the fourth chapter, about verse 1 here. He says, what shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh has found? If you skip down to verse 11, it says that he might be the father of all them that believe. Though they be not circumcised, that righteous might be imputed unto them also. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. Verse 16 says, It is of faith that it might be by grace, to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. He talks about Abraham being the father of all them that believe and how that we also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham. In Galatians 3, you see a similar thing. Galatians 3 and verse 6. It says, even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Are you of faith? Then you are the children of Abraham. Keep reading. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In you shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed. With faithful Abraham. Hallelujah. You walk in the same faith. And you walk in the same blessing. 
We need to understand, sometimes people have said less than respectful things about the Old Testament. And you'll hear people even saying, you can hear it in their voice, oh, that's the law. You know, we're not under the law. And that's Old Testament, and that's not for us. That shows ignorance to talk like that. The law never was the problem. Romans reveals that the law is perfect and just and good. Did I lose somebody or not? The problem wasn't the law. The problem was people's inability to keep it and measure up to it. And we're not justified by keeping the law, but the Word of God revealed in the law is good and fair. And perfect. If you neglect your Old Testament, you're missing out on all kind of things. And the writers of the New Testament assume you know the Old Testament. They're continually referring to it. It is the Word of God. But now when you're talking about Abraham, the last couple of weeks in Branson, when I spoke on Sundays, we've been speaking on tithing. And... uh, Man, we're more stirred up on tithing than we've ever been around here. And yet a whole lot of people will try to say, well, now, you know, that's, that's the, the Old Testament. Well, is uh, Matthew in the Old Testament? Is Luke in the Old Testament? Is Hebrews in the Old Testament? No, people are showing the ignorance by talking like this. No, tithing, uh, when you start talking, we, we're talking about tithing from the book of Hebrews. And it's amazing that there'd be a couple of chapters in the book of Hebrews devoted to something that's not for us nowadays. And we we talked about Abraham tithing. This is long before there was a law. This is before the Ten Commandments. There were no statutes. There were no ordinances. So why is Abraham tithing? Where did he get it? And why does he do it? He's not tithing to be justified before God by works. How is Abraham justified before God? By his faith. Exactly the same way you and I are. And yet people want to pick and choose and say, well, yeah, we walk by faith like Abraham, but we don't tithe like Abraham, no. He tithed because he was acknowledging who his source was. He was acknowledging who had protected him and prospered him. And he was also opening the window so that the high priest could bless him. What's tithing about? It's about honor and blessing. And this was not about any law. This is not about keeping any rules. This is not about trying to justify yourself with your works. There were no works. There was no law. There's a lot of ignorance around. Don't don't speak disparagingly of the law or of the Old Testament. Did you hear me, friends? You show your ignorance. No, we're not justified by keeping the law, but the law is good and right and holy and all the things that are revealed in all those statutes and ordinances they are beautiful types of redemption somebody say glory to God 
Hallelujah. Beautiful types. I know if you read Leviticus, some of it people get bogged down in. For instance, one occasion, uh, he said that if somebody had been a leper and they got healed, they go to the priest, they announce outside the wall, they come examine them. If they find that they are actually healed, then they come and they take two birds alive and clean and they take uh, running water in an earthen vessel and they kill one of the birds and they do this and they do that. And people read that and, they, and a lot of folks just say, well, you know, thank God we don't have to do that anymore. I mean, that's, you know, no, friend, listen, it's a beautiful type. Two birds alive, not, not one, two. And one of them had to be killed over an earthen vessel. And the blood ran down and there was blood and water in an earthen vessel. You ever heard anything like this before in the New Testament? And then the priest would take the remaining live bird with scarlet and hyssop, symbolic of cleansing and righteousness. And he would take that with cedar wood. You ever heard anything about wood? And he would plunge that living bird and that cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop into that earthen vessel neath that blood and that water. And then he would bring that bird out, still alive, blood washed and water washed. And he would take it out and set it free, hallelujah, where it could fly away. Hallelujah. Don't speak disparagingly and mockingly about the law and about the Old Testament. It's the Word of God. It's perfect forever. The law never was a problem. It was people's inability to keep it. There was a time when you and I were sick and diseased and sin-filled, but we reached up and we called on our Lord, and the mighty hand of God came out and took hold of us with the work of the cross with the washing of the water and the washing of the blood and our master who was killed in an earthen vessel. And now we've been clean and set free. Hallelujah. To rule and reign in this life. If it's dull and boring to us, it's just because we hadn't seen it. We haven't understood it. But don't don't speak ill of it. Don't speak disrespectfully of it. And Abraham, in his day and age, in his time, by revelation, he walked by faith just like we do today. By revelation, he tithed. It's by revelation. No law, no rules. By revelation. And you and I are the children of Abraham. Walking in the faith of Abraham. In the same steps of that faith of our father Abraham. Can you say amen? Glory to God. We read this uh, last night. It'll bear repetition. Isaiah 51 and 1. It says, Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock whence you are hewn, and to the hole of the pit whence you are digged. Look unto Abraham your father, and Sarah that bare you. For I called him alone and blessed him And increased him. He said look. To the rock. You were cut from. You've heard of cut from the same cloth. Mm 
Well, we're cut from the same rock. And when he says, look to the hole of the pit you're digged, he's talking about a mine. He's talking about a shaft where precious stones or gold is mined. And you and I are cut from this same rock and this same faith that Abram walked in, we walk in. We have it in our bosom. And it is precious. I said it is precious. Peter talks about the trial of your faith being more precious than gold that perishes. And yet it's going to be found unto praise in time to come. God is going to praise it. Of all the things that he could say, what is it that it is impossible to please God without? Faith. It's not everywhere in this world. It's rare. It's precious. And the eyes of the Lord are scanning to and fro throughout the whole earth. What's he looking for? He's looking for those whose heart is perfect. The scripture says that means wholehearted. What kind of heart's he looking for? A believing heart, a fully committed heart. I'm going all the way with God heart. And when he finds that, he shows himself strong on their behalf. Did he show himself strong on Abraham's behalf? Yes, he did. And the scripture says, we having the same spirit of faith. Do we have the same spirit of faith Abraham walked in? Same spirit of faith. I believe, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Said out loud because you believe it. I'm of the seed of Abraham. Like my father Abraham. I please my God. With faith. Faith. That overcomes all. Isn't that the victory? That overcomes the whole world. Even our faith. I like what Brother Schambach used to say all the time. You don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. (laughs) Don't you like that? Now sometimes, I didn't tell you that to run, tell somebody else. What you need to do sometimes if you're not just feeling entirely spiffy and strong is look in the mirror and do that to yourself. Look in the mirror. Y'all ready to practice? Now you you practice in looking at the mirror. Who are you talking to? You're talking to yourself. Come on, you say it out loud. You don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. And then you need to answer yourself and go, Amen. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Amen. And, And you got you and yourself in agreement there. Go to Genesis 12 with me. Let's pick up on where we left off last night as the Lord would allow us and help us. Genesis 12. I believe the Lord's doing many things for us in this meeting this week. And spiritual things. So many of these things you can't, uh, you can't explain them and you don't discern them all when they're happening. They're spiritual. And we're talking about the spirit of faith. And we're not just talking about getting a head full of knowledge about faith or about Abraham's faith. We're talking about having this faith in an increased way. So open your spirit up real wide to it, please. In Genesis 12, 
We read where God spoke to Abraham. And this is how all faith begins. This is how all miracles begin, is by God speaking. And when he, uh, he said to Abram, get you out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house unto a land that I will show you. Now, when the Lord told him this, we must remember that Abraham, Abram is a man. He had to deal with the same kind of things you and I have to deal with. I remember when the Lord dealt with Phyllis and I to leave our families, leave our homes where we grew up, and to go out to uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma to go to school there at Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry. It, uh, it seemed giant to us. We didn't have the money. We didn't know anybody. Uh, you leave everything you know. And I don't care who you are, if it's Abraham or if it's me or if it's you, you're going to face the same fears and you're going to face the same feelings. Somebody say fears, fears. And, feelings. and feelings. And you know what can overcome those fears and those feelings? The faith. I said the faith of God. And everybody that's going to walk with God and take these steps of faith like Abraham did, you're going to have to overcome. What is the victory that overcomes the world? Even our faith. Now that tells you you'll have to overcome something. The victory that overcomes the world. And these fears are real. What do you think came to his mind? We know Hebrews 11 tells us he went out not knowing where he was going. What kind of thoughts came to him? The enemy's the same. He's always been the same. Bringing pictures of failure. You're going to leave here. You're going to get out there. Run out of money. Who knows? Lob will get attacked by some renegade marauding band. and You know, get out there. Run out of water. Run out of food. I mean, these are wild and woolly times. And uh, everything from wild animals to robbers and everything else. Every corner you came around. And besides that, this is the place where you grew up, all your relations and fears and feelings are going to be there. And like we talked about last night, if you keep looking to that and cling, oh, I got to leave that, I got to leave that, then you're not valuing what God told you he's given you. You think the cost is too high to turn loose, which means you think the value of what you're going to is not enough. And that's how you can disqualify yourself. But notice what the Lord told him. I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you. And make your name great. And you'll be a blessing. And I'll bless them that bless you. And curse him that curses you. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram got out of there. He left as the Lord had spoken to him. What kind of faith is the faith of Abraham? Faith that obeys. Amen. Somebody say faith that obeys. Amen. I know that's a simple phrase, but oh, it says so much. Faith that obeys. Faith that overcomes the fears, overcomes the feelings, overcomes all the questions. What ifs? What abouts? How? Where from? Why? 
pushes it all aside, climbs over it, packs its bags, and goes. That's Abrahamic faith. That's the kind of faith that pleases God. That's the kind of faith that gets you into the kind of places that it got Abraham into. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. And so uh, it tells that he took, uh, verse 5, he took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, all their substance, all they had gathered, the souls, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. They're out to do it. And into the land of Canaan they came. What's he doing? He's obeying. He's doing what the Lord told him to do. Now, without going into a whole lot of detail, the Bible said, verse 10, there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt, and uh, Abram had a pretty wife. Must have been remarkably attractive. Really, if you look at the whole thing, I mean, she must have been quite the looker. The thing about a pretty wife is that other people may think she's pretty too. (laughs) Other men. And he knew that was a deal. And in this country and in this day and age, uh, he knew if somebody sees you've got a great looking wife, they'd just kill you and take her, you know. And so uh, he told her, you know, the, to say the thing about her being his sister because she was half-sister. So anyway, the Bible said, the Egyptians beheld the woman in verse 14, and the princes of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Now, it's easy for you and I, all these centuries later, to look at Abraham's life, but wonder how you think he felt right now. He's launched into his big adventure with God, and not too long after getting started, he's lost his wife. We know the rest of the story. The promise is Isaac and the Christ through the sea. Well, how's Isaac ever going to come? And Sarah is not even in his life anymore. It's easy to look at other people that have walked by faith and imagine, you know, and you, you just hear about the testimonies and you just hear about the high points and uh, to think, well, man, you know, that's just, uh, that's just basically believe God and set it on cruise control and, and the blessings just keep falling on you. But, Walking by faith means you don't yield nor succumb to the fears and the feelings. They will come at every step, at every juncture. Fears and feelings will come. Do you reckon Abraham had any fears to deal with? His wife is gone. Who's got her? Only the most powerful man in the civilized world. And he thinks... She's his wife now. One of many. But you know what? Faith won't fear even though everything tells you to. Faith won't quit even though everything tells you it's over. You're done. You're done before you started. Don't you know the enemy was trying to harass him? You should have stayed at the house. Like Auntie and Uncle and them told you to. You know, they told you, don't you go rambling all over the country. You know it's dangerous out there. Right? You better stay over here with your own people. 
with your own security. But no, Abraham's faith man. I'm going, God told me to go. And he did tell him to go. But here he is, no wife. What about his future? What about where they're going? But I know what faith does. I've had enough of these challenges myself. Thank God I hadn't lost my wife to Pharaoh. I thank you, Lord. But the same kind of thing will come up. And you know what? You know what you do in this scenario? Wonder what's happening to Sarah. Wonder what? Wonder where she is. Wonder what's happening. Wonder what's happening. Wonder what's that? You know what you do? You cast all your cares over on the Lord. And you go to the house and eat a popsicle. <laughs> and take a nap. Come on, are you listening to me? You don't try to figure it out. And you don't pace the floor. You look up even though you're tempted to cry. You're tempted to be afraid. You're tempted to yield to the feelings. I mean, from all apparent indications, your wife is gone. The love of your life is gone. The future, you and she are going to walk together in God. It's gone. But faith won't accept that. I said faith won't accept that. Faith won't even get down over it. Faith won't even cry about it. Because if it's not the truth, there's no need in crying about it. If that's not the end, there's no need in getting down and depressed. Right? right. No need going through all that. Oh, friends, we could save ourselves so much. Trauma. If we just would stay in faith. And stay in the rest of God. I know he had to had to stay in faith. Much as he knew. He's holding on to his God. What do you do when you don't know what to do? You hold on to the one who does. I said you hold you tighter. You hold on to the one who does. I like what David said. My soul follows hard after thee. What does that mean? Lord if you stop quick I'm going to hit you right dead in the back. Because I... <laughs> I am, I'm right here on you. My soul follows. Did you hear my soul? My soul follows hard after thee. What do you do when you don't know what to do? You hold closer to the one who does know what to do. And you keep telling him. You say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. I don't, I don't know what it's going to take to fix this, but I know you do. And I'm, I'm here and I'm going nowhere. I'm holding on to you and I'm confessing and saying this is going to turn out for my good and for your glory. I don't know how, but it's going to. It's going to. All these things are going to work out for my good and your glory. And friend, you can say that and mean it when you don't have a clue how it could ever work out. Well, you know the story. God entreated well, he, he revealed himself to Pharaoh. And uh, next thing you know, Pharaoh calls Abram and uh, gives him his wife back. And she was fine. She hadn't been harmed or mistreated all the while she was there. And God uses it to make Abraham richer. Adds a bunch of stuff to it. And they send him on his way. So crying all night would have been a waste of time. Packing up your bags and heading back toward the house would have been a big mistake. 
Do you have the faith of Abraham inside you? That's a little weak, guys. Come on, do it. You, I'm talking about you. You, you are a child of Abraham. And you have that same kind of God-pleasing, world-overcoming faith in you. It's a personal trust in your Father. You don't have to know everything. You just know you trust Him. You know you trust Him. Somebody say, I know I trust you, Lord. I know I know I trust you. Hallelujah. I don't have to see how it's going to work out. I, I don't have to know how everything can happen. I trust you. So, on the road again, Abram and Sarai and Lot, back in the faith adventure. It's on. In chapter 13, Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, all he had. He's got more now than he ever had. And Lot was with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. I'm glad the Lord put that in there. Because a lot of folks will say, yeah, he's rich in his heart. He's rich. Well, he was. But he was rich in his pocketbook, too. He was rich in cows. Many cows. Silver. Silver. He had lots of it. Somebody say Abram was loaded. He was loaded. He was loaded. Who gave all that stuff to him? Come on, help me. God. God. Has God changed? No. Has faith changed? Then you and I should be blessed too. Didn't we just read in the New Testament? In Galatians 3, that not only do we have the faith of Abraham, we are blessed. Is that right? We are blessed. We are blessed with faithful Abraham. Anyway, it says he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hai, to the place of the altar which he made there at the first, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now, something you'll notice here, more than once, When the Lord spoke to Abram, he memorialized it. He would build an altar. And this is also something that that just is true with any person of faith. Our faith is completely based on what he says to us. Faith is not just something you come up with on your own. You can't just believe for anything and everything that crosses your mind, you have to hear from him. And so, when he says something to us, it should be a big deal. And we should make a big deal out of it, and we should memorialize it. We should put a pillar down and say, God said this to me. I was here and on this day, and and God spoke to me, and it should mean something to us. I know a you can be more in the spirit than you realize you are. And things of the spirit be more real to you at the time and then later get in the flesh and they're not. Have you ever uh, had the Lord say something to you and you thought, man, 
That is so real. I'll never forget that. And, and a half a day later, you're trying to remember what it was. Has that ever happened to you? You're trying to go, what? How could that happen? It was so clear. It was so real. Well, what happened is you were more in the spirit than you realized you were. You don't have to be in a trance to be in the spirit. That just means you're more aware of spirit than flesh. You can be more flesh aware or more spirit aware at any hour of the day. You can be 60% spirit aware, 40% flesh aware. You could be, most folks are about 98% flesh aware. <laughs> it's just the truth. And barely perceive some spirits of some time. How many want to be a whole lot spirit aware and not so much flesh aware? That's being spiritual. That's what it means to walk in the spirit. Doesn't mean you're in a trance. It just means you're more aware of spiritual things than you are natural things. That kind of thing's happened to me a number of times. And the Lord, you know, like you all, has given me precious things. And, and not just for me to teach and to minister and to our people and to our churches. And, and uh, uh, it's, to me, it's so obvious that I didn't think it up. He gave it to me. I didn't come up with it. And so it's a gift. And I know years ago, before I learned some of what I'm telling you now, he'd tell me things and I'd let them slip and I'd lose them. And I know one time he gave me something really rich in the night and, and, I, and I, I thanked him and, and then I was going back to sleep and, and he said, uh, you're not even going to write that down? You don't value it enough to even try to keep it, to try to hold on to it? And so uh, I made some adjustments and changes. But should we memorialize when God speaks to us and gives direction just like Abraham? He built these altars and he memorialized it. Now the Bible said, verse 5, Lot also which went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together for their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. This is the uh, blessing of tithers. Abram is a tither. We know that. We have ample scripture for it. And what does Malachi 3 say? If you bring the tithes. The Lord said he'd open the windows. A window is an access point. Things can go through it from one area to another. Tithing allows God access to us. And he said, I will pour out blessing that there's not room enough to contain it. Isn't that exactly what has come to pass in their life? They are so blessed that they do not have the room for it. Can that come to pass for you? Hmm? Well, if you're a tither. He goes on to say, there was strife. Between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. Because they're too cramped. They're competing for the same pasture and the same water. They just, they got too many cows. Somebody say too many cows. They got too many cows. They got too many goats. They got too many sheep. They got too many camels. They got too many donkeys. And who gave them the too many donkeys and sheep? And Huh? Now... 
Do you think that God knows exactly how many cows or sheep each one of those acres out there could sustain? Then why did he give them too many cows? Am I losing somebody? Is he the God who will run your cup over? Is he? He is a net breaking, ship sinking, too many goat, too many cow, cup running over God. It's not his fault if your boat's too little. It's not his problem if your pasture's too small. Go ahead and leave him get some more pasture. Right? Because if you tithe and you put him first, he's going to give you so many cows, you're going to run out of room. And it's just time to say hallelujah. And either time to sow some cows, right? Or something. But it's not a problem. It's the blessing. The blessing of the Lord that makes rich. And he adds no sorrow to it. That's always been the case. If you read back in Leviticus, he said, if you'll do what I tell you to do. He said, you'll have to take out the old store because of the new. What does that mean? That means last year's clothes. You still got tags on them, but you got to take them out because you got so many new clothes coming in. And you got that two-year-old car sitting in the garage. And you got to take it out because you got the new cars coming in. Is that right? That is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich. So they are experiencing this multiplication that the blessing brings. And they have expanded and enlarged until their resources are not enough. And verse 8. Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife, I pray you, between me and you and between my herdmen and your herdmen, for we be brethren. Now remember, everything that Abram is doing and seeing and getting, he doesn't have a New Testament. He doesn't have the Ten Commandments. None of that. He's getting this all by revelation from walking personally with God. And it points to the day you and I live in. And principles that are eternal. And by revelation, Abraham knew that the enemy of faith is strife and unforgiveness and a failure to walk in love. And he knew no matter what it cost you, get rid of the strife. Why? Because we got to keep this faith thing going. Right? We got to keep our faith in operation. And so he is willing to make great sacrifice. Whatever it takes. Because he knows the spiritual connection is more important than the stuff. He knows they wouldn't have all the stuff if it wasn't for the spiritual connection. God is love. And our faith works by love. And he had, Abram didn't have these scriptures. How did he know this? Same way he knew how to believe God. Same way he knew how to tithe. All by revelation. And so he said, Abram came to Lot. And he treats him as an equal. 
And he says, let there be no strife between me and you, between my herdmen and your herdmen, for we are brethren. He treats him as an equal. And this is his being gracious to him. But Lot doesn't understand this. He should. He's been around Abram for years. Now, back up with me a couple of verses here. Verse verse 5. Why does Lot have sheep and cows and tents? The Bible is clear. That's why verse 5 is here. It wouldn't be necessary to have this in here except for among these reasons. It says Lot also didn't just say he had flocks, herds, and tents. Lot what? Which went with Abram. Which letting you know that's why Lot's got the flocks and the herds and the tents. Because he's been with Abram. You know Lot's daddy died. Back in the old country. And Abram took Lot. And basically treated him. As his, we did. Treated him as his, his family. His immediate family. And so not having. A son of his own yet. he I'm sure he treated him. And brought him up. And showed him how to do things. And, and so I don't know if he was. When he was 16 or when it was. But he let Lot have a cow. He let and a calf. He let Lot have a starter sheet kit and a <laughs> starter gold kit and a starter silver kit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And he said, now, son, you do what I tell you to with this and it'll grow for you. And so uh, he let Lot ride with him and he let Lot sit in the tent with him when he did business with the, uh, the traveling merchants and what have you. And so uh, he's going to buy X amount of this, and he'd say, Lot, you ought to get in on this. Buy you something. And so Lot did. Everything Lot knows, he learned at the side of Abraham. And he doesn't realize it, but he's been operating in this man's anointing. And in this man's blessing. But he's come to think he can do it just as well. Without him. And he was sorely mistaken. The reason I know that. Is because of his actions. When Abram said. Don't let there be any strife between us. Verse 9. Is not the whole land before you. Separate yourself I pray you from me. If you take the left hand. I'll go to the right. If you depart to the right hand. I'll go to the left. Now, if this had been a lot of modern day Christians and ministers, this would have been the beginning of years of lawsuits. Right here. First of all, they wouldn't have done what Abram did. And so they'd have gotten embroiled in who's going to get the good land. And it would have got heated and it would have got more than this and then lawyers would have been hired and and you know why people do that? Because they don't have faith. People do it because of fear. Fear, somebody's going to take something from me. Fear, I'm going to lose something. See, at, at every one of these steps, friends, 
you're going to be faced head on with fears and feelings. And the enemy is going to tell you, if you do that, they will clean you out. They will clean you out. And it takes faith. It takes the Abraham kind of faith to say, what if they do? What if they do? I know where I got this. I know how I got this. And I'm going to be fine. No matter what they do. And if you believe that, you avoid the ulcers. <laughs> you avoid the migraines. You avoid the, the uh, lawsuits and all the money spent on that and all the time and all the lost opportunities and the fouling up of your witness. Why do people go into this mode? Why do they go into this? Now, what are they going to do? What if? And what if? Fear. It's just plain old fear. And if we're walking in fear, we're not walking in faith. Faith is what we do instead of fear. Fear is not our thing. Come on, somebody help me out. Let's, let's do a little retro flash. Fear is not my bag, man. <laughs> Tell me, what's your thing? What's your thing? What's your... I'm a faith man in the morning. I'm a faith man at noontime. I'm a faith man when the sun goes down. Faith man. Faith man. We learned last night what kind of faith is Abrahamic faith. It's a faith that obeys. You know what you see here tonight? What kind of faith is Abrahamic faith? It's faith that gives. How can they be so free hearted? How can they clean out their accounts? And not know where it's going to come from the rest of the week. How can they do that? Exactly the way he did this. He said, Lot, whatever it takes, brother, I'm telling you, this strife is stopping today. This is the end of it. We're not going to have this. None of this griping, backbiting, talking behind each other's back, and our shepherds and herdsmen out there almost in a fist fight. That's not happening. I'm stopping this today. You tell me what you want. And I will get out of your way. I want you to practice that with me, friends. Say it out loud. Tell me what you want. And I will get out of your way. Did Abraham cause the strife? And so Lot. Let's keep reading. What did Lot do? Lot sees this as a great opportunity. How ignorant. He thinks this is a great opportunity. He lifts up his eyes. And so all the plain of Jordan. It was well watered everywhere. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Of course he doesn't know that's about to happen. 
But it was like the garden of the Lord. Like the land of Egypt as you come to Zoar. It was beautiful. It was the best by far. You know, so, so much out there arid and dry and desert. But this is watered, green, lush. And verse 11. Then Lot chose him. All the plain of the Jordan and Lot journeyed east and they separated themselves the one from the other. And it was the worst mistake of his life. Y'all believe this or not? Not long after this. This is chapter 13. Chapter 14 begins describing how that the whole country now is embroiled in war. Four kings against five. I mean, this is like Axis against Allied. I mean, this is a big deal. And the whole country is full of war, and the war got to Sodom. And the Bible said that Lot, after he left Abram, he pitched his tent towards Sodom. And then by the time you get to chapter 14, he's living in Sodom. (laughs) This is what's happening to him. This is the the direction he moves without Abram's influence. So many times folks have not, they've not realized the curbing effects of leaders' faith and anointings. Being in, in, in certain groups and certain churches and certain ministries and being in places where the Lord has sent you and joined you and under teachings and anointing and faith and prayer, there are certain things that won't even come to you, certain temptations you won't even experience, certain things and certain things that will come to you, uh, provision and blessing and healing easier and quicker. Come on, are you with me? Because you're in the environment there with it. You're just in it. And and oh, listen, listen, friend. Don't do what Lot did. If you're in that environment for years, which Lot was, you can get to thinking it's you. Just you. See, Lot became deceived into thinking he was as good a businessman as Abraham. It wasn't about being a good businessman. I'm sure he was, but it's because of the blessing. It's because of the empowerment that was on him. And we are all equal as children of God. We're all equally loved. We're all equally redeemed. We all have the same equal rights to being healed, being filled with the Spirit, having your needs met. But we are not all anointed the same. And we are, we do all have the same call. That is not equal. And the scripture said in Hebrews that Abram knew this. And when he returned from the conquering of those, the ones that took Lot, the Bible said he gave Melchizedek tithes of all. And then Melchizedek blessed him. And Hebrews says that without controversy, the less is blessed of the greater, the better. Now that doesn't mean better as a human being, doesn't mean smarter, superior, just by right of who they are. It's the greater anointing. 
Somebody say greater anointing. The greater call, the greater place, the greater anointing. And Lot let that go. He didn't realize he's the beneficiary of a greater anointing in his life, of a greater call. And he does not have an equal anointing on his life. He does not have an equal call. And when he separates from it, immediately he starts yielding to temptations. He starts going down the road towards Sodom. Next thing you know, they're living right in the middle of it. Next thing you know, the judgment that happens to them happens to him. Proverbs 27, 8 says, As a bird that wanders from her nest, so is a man that wanders from his place. Can you get out of your place, saints? The scripture tells us in the in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, that God has set the members, each of them, in the body as it has pleased him. A lot of folks think they can serve God the way they want to, wherever they want to, with whomever they want to. And it's not true. And are we reading New Testament scripture right here on, on the board? Read it out loud with me. What does it say? God has set the members. How many? Everyone. Are you a member? Yes. Am I a Every one of us. Yes. He set them, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. So then can you change what he said and set yourself in another place? With another part of the body. Come on are y'all with me. And serve him the way you want to. And be just as blessed. No you cannot. People are trying it all over the place. But it's why it's not working either. People are frustrated. Man people change. Churches. Like. Changing you know the wash. Just. No, you know, just pull up, move across the country, try this out a while, go over here, try this out a while, go over here. People really think that they can just serve God anywhere with anybody, any way they want to. Do you think a lot of people believe that? Do you think it's right or not? It's never been right. The church has gotten away from it. It hadn't been taught like it should be. But friend, uh, we've talked about this before. Parents sometimes tell their children, and I know they mean well, well, honey, you're smart, you're pretty, you're talented, you're gifted. You can be anything you want to be when you grow up. That's actually not true. If you're a Christian, it's not for you to decide what you want to be and what you want to do. That's already been decided for you. It's not for you to decide it. It's for you to discover it and follow it fully. There's a place, saint. I said there's a place in the body where it has pleased God to put you. And you fit there like nowhere else. And in that place, you're in your grace. And in that place and grace, protection comes to you. And nourishment comes to you. Come on, are you listening? Because you're in the part of the body 
where you're supposed to be. And in that part, you are useful and you are fruitful and your graces help others and minister to others. And if you get your little feelings hurt about something and you decide, well, I'm getting, I'm leaving, I'm not going to stay here. And you unplug yourself and you try to go to another place and another part and try to put yourself in, you're going to experience problems. 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 These anointings, these greater anointings, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, like the anointing on Abram's life, they're not just for him. Did you remember the Lord kept saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. These anointings are there for the benefit of those that are joined to. Hallelujah. I know the Lord said this to me some years ago. I was studying about the ministry gifts. And the Lord said to me, I was noticing that these are gifts from the Lord to his people. Because of love. Did you know your preachers are gifts from the Lord to you? They are. That's what he said. And the Lord said to me, he said, many of my people are not deriving the full benefit out of the gifts I've given them because they're not giving them the full place in their life. And I asked him to teach me about that. And and over the years, I've seen more and more. So many churches have gotten away from what God ordained and their preachers are hirelings. They hire them and fire them and they change them every year or two just for good measure, just to keep things shaken up, keep things fresh. And these men and women do not have a place in their life. And the Lord helped me to see, I gave these gifts for protection and for provision and for feeding. Hallelujah. When you got somebody that God has joined you to, that's got 40 more years of experience walking with God that you do, and has got all this anointing and grace on their lives, you should benefit from it. And you, cause you shouldn't just come tell them what you're doing. You should come ask them. And see what the Lord would say. And if you're right on track. Then their confirmation is a blessing and a help to you. And if you're not on track. Then here's some major protection. If you'll receive it. To save you from messing up right now. Lot. Ceased to value. Who Abram was to him. He forgot. He wouldn't have had a father figure. He wouldn't have any cows. Right? He wouldn't have any sheep. You know what it was time for? Lot didn't realize it. But I'm glad you and I are here tonight because we can get this. You know what it was time for? When Abram came so graciously to Lot. And he said, look, we're brothers. You tell me what you want to do. I'm going to get out of your way. You pick what you want and I'm going to go the other way. 
It was time for a Ruth response. Preachers, you know what I'm talking about? A Ruth response. Somebody said, Ruth response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ruth response. Ruth 1.16. Somebody say a Ruth response. If he could only hurt us in the background, we'd have been saying, Ruth, Ruth, Ruth. Don't do it, Lot. Don't. Don't do it. Ruth responds. When uh, Ruth's mother-in-law was saying, you can just go like your sister. What'd she say? Entreat me not to leave you. Is that what Lot should have said? Should he have said, no, please, please, Uncle Abram, please. No, no. Um, where are you going? I'm going. No, no need telling me to pick a place because wherever you go, I'm going to go anyway. <laughs> where are you going? I'm going. Where are you lodging? I will lodge. Your people's my people. Your God's my God. Come on, is that right? Where you die, that's where I'm dying. When you get your burial spot, get me one too. Because that's where I'm going to be buried. The Lord do to me and more also if anything but death parts me and you. Somebody say Ruth response. Ruth response. He should have said no, 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 sir. No, sir. We will have a cow sale. (laughs) Tomorrow. I mean, no, no. No, no, sir. Some of these things, you, you, it's not a matter of explaining it to your head. You have to discern it with your heart. It's about honor. And to understand faith, you have to understand honor. Because the faith of God's connected to the honor of God. Men and women of God, like Abraham, are not going to demand and tell you what to do on everything. And they will walk in love whether you do or not. And they will be gracious to you. Can you see what Abraham's doing? See, I I know there came a point in Phyllis in my life. We had served with the Hagans there at their ministry for uh, close to 20 years. And I felt released from teaching in the school. And we had a lot of things going on in our ministry already. And I talked to Brother Hagen about it. And he, uh, he said, well, one of the things he says, well, uh, you're not getting any younger. He <laughs> said, you better get to it. Do what you're going to do. And basically, though, he, he was kind to us. He blessed us. And so uh, after, uh, I don't know, just a couple of years, not that long, a year and a half or so out in the road, and I was praying before a meeting one time, and, and the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, I didn't release you from helping Brother Hagen. Well, I sat up and I thought, whoa. I had kind of equated the two that if I wasn't part of the ministry working for him there, then I, like most people had done, I would go and he said, no, you assumed something. I didn't release you. One does not mean the other. How many know we got to watch about filling in the blanks and about assuming things? And so what we knew we needed to do, I talked to Phyllis about it, we prayed about it, and then we we found them and we flew to where they were, and after service, 
asked him, could have talked to him, and we asked them, could we help them? And they didn't say, yea, thus saith the Lord, you should have already been helping us. (laughs) But they said, yeah, sure you can, yeah. And man, those next several years was just wonderful. It was a valuable, valuable part of our ministry and our training. But what I'm saying is, if we'd have waited for them to come get us and tell us, you're supposed to be doing this with me, it would not have happened. And I think a lot of folks don't understand that. They say, well, I've had people tell me as their pastor, well, if you think I ought to be doing something, why don't you come and, well, see, that's major disrespect right there. I'm not supposed to follow you around. The less is blessed of the greater. You defer to that greater anointing. You acknowledge it volitionally, willingly. They shouldn't have to come to you. You go to them. You ask. And if God puts something on your heart, even if it seems like they don't need it or want it right then, you say, well, it's available. I'm here. Right? I'm ready. I'm willing. And if you need to keep on making that available. But see, that requires humility. Doesn't it? And that's a problem in our society. No. Who gets the grace? Those that humble themselves. And with enough grace, you can find that place where you're supposed to be, where you fit so perfectly. Somebody say, I have a place, I have a place. Every one of us, the Bible says, have been put, the, the head of the church has put us in the place as it has pleased him. But we must show respect to what God has joined us to. We must show. If it hadn't been for Abraham and his uh, his faith and his covenant with God, this would have been the end of Lot and his family right here. Because beginning of 14, all this war breaks out. Now, you, if you notice it, none of it touches Abram. He doesn't live in Sodom. And what if Lot and his family had still been with Abram? Safe, right? Prosperous, kept. But no, because Lot is not where he's supposed to be. He's left his place. He's out from under this greater call and anointing. Then when this devastation hits this ungodly city that he's living in, it hits him too. And they come and they take him and his wife and his kids and every dollar and sheep and piece of furniture he's got and they're gone. And 999 times out of a thousand, every other story in that part of the world, this would have been end of the story. That's it. They never see each other. They work for a short oppressed life as somebody's slave. But Uncle Abram. Somebody say Uncle Abram. Uncle Abram. That Lot thought he didn't need anymore. 
Lot thought he learned everything he needed to learn from Uncle Abram. Uncle Abram. Does he need to leave home and get shot at by strangers? He didn't miss God. Isn't that something though? Sometimes other people that won't listen to you missing God affects you. Right? You have to do things you didn't want to do. Not because you missed it, because they missed it. But listen, friend. Do you suppose fears came? Here, standing armies were defeated by the ones that got his kinfolks and left. And now he has a thought that he can take his servants and his neighbors and go get them. Oh, friend, I like it. I said, I like it. God has not given us a spirit of fear. He has not given us the spirit that makes you cowards and slink back and hide at the house. He's given us the greater one on the inside. Hallelujah. And here this man of faith, he sits there and he's checking his heart and he's asking his God and he's looking at what to do and he gets it in his heart. I can do this with God's help. I can go get them. Come on, let's go get them. Let's go get them. And it's a good thing he was rich. Come on, think about it. Because he arms this whole bunch. He finances this entire military expedition out of his pocket. Now that's not the time to decide you should have agreed more with the prosperity message. (laughs) It's too late then. Some things take time, child of God. When it comes to walking in the fullness of the material blessing that God has for us. A lot of these things don't happen overnight or a year or two. If we'll believe God and sow like we're supposed to. And give and reap like we're supposed to. Over a period of time he'll have us at a place. Like Abraham was that night. In this 14th chapter. I said it was good that Abram was rich. It was good that Abram was rich. It's good for you to be rich. It's good for faith churches to be rich. Faith ministries to be rich. Rich. So that when something comes up, we are in position. We have the ability to finance it. To launch it. What do we need? Well, let's see we need... We need 800 swords and shields and, and bucklers and we need this and we need that and we need this and the other. And Abraham says, get it, get it, buy it, get it, go it. What's going to cost six million? Get it, get it, get it, get it now. I want this thing ready in the morning. <laughs> he financed the entire military expedition. <laughs> Woo! I'm cut. From the same piece of rock. I come out of the same faith vein. As my father Abraham. So anyway. 
Verse 15, he divided himself against them, he and his servants by night, and smote them and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. I guess it was night. I guess they didn't know how many was against them. That's right. But they come down on them so hard and so heavy, and God was with them until they defeated them and brought back all the goods. I mean, they brought back lots of salt shakers. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They brought back the hot sauce. Are y'all with me? They got everything. Every stool, every chair, every sheep and goat. Mm. Mm. Glory to God. Now you do know a lot of folk would have never left the house. Don't you know that? They'd have been in Abraham's shoes. Why? I'm not an army. I'm not a general. I told that boy to, to stay at the house. <laughs> right? I told him. I mean, how's it going to help him? Now me going out and getting myself and my bunch killed and wiped off the mouth. How many understand? How many people out of millions would you find like this man right here? Like this man. It's why he's in the book. It's why he's a friend of God. It's why it was imputed to him for righteousness. And the Bible says you're just like him. You are his seed. You're just like him. Somebody receive it. Say, I'm just, I'm just like that. I'm cut out of the same rock. When other people are too scared to leave the house, you will get up and take your $10 million. Come on, are you listening to me? (laughs) And all the alliances and friends and stuff that God has given you, and you will go and do what five armies and nations put together couldn't do. Five. Confederated nations, five armies couldn't do what this man of faith. They were defeated. They were crushed. Nobody in the country. Why do you think they confederated? Because no one of them could take this on. But they figured five against four. But they were wrong. (laughs) They got crushed. And so one man of God. With what God's put under his hand. Is going to do. What five countries. (laughs) What five countries. And their armies. And their treasuries. Could not do. Which is why when they come a-rolling back into town, the king of Sodom, verse 17, went out to meet them. I guess so. You know what the king of Sodom thinks? He thinks he's about to meet the new king of Sodom. That's what he thinks. So perchance... There's some maneuvering room to continue to be king. He's going to meet him first. How many understand generally kings don't come out to meet you when you come in? 
they have you come meet them. But he's out there with his crown in his hand to meet who? God's man of faith. God's man of faith. I said God's man of faith. Who did what five countries and their armies couldn't do. Well, I'd have preached this to myself. To myself. <laughs> and uh, he comes out. I want you to notice this. Notice this. Verse 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. He's preached to the most high God in verse 19. And he blessed him. He said, blessed be Abram of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the most high God, which has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram walked right by the king of Sodom and didn't say, how do you do? (laughs) Nothing. He sees the high priest. Come on, are you listening to me? And he gives him tithes of all. Because Abram knows who his faith is in. And he knows if not for God, there's no way he's even standing here breathing right now. Much less got all his kinfolks back. Got all the stuff back. Such a victory. People say tithing's under the law. There's no law involved in this. The man knows who his source is. Do you know who your source is? He wants to honor the God who's given him such a victory. Do you want to honor the God who's given you victory? Somebody say, he gave him tithes of all. Come on, say it again. He gave him tithes of all. And the response from the high priest. We have a great high priest. Passed into the heaven. Jesus the son of God. The response from the high priest. When you tithe is. Blessing. Blessed be the most high God. Which has delivered your enemies into your hand. He gave him tithes of all. Verse 21. And the king of Sodom said to Abram. I guess he had to wait. While all this is going on. He had to wait on the side. <laughs> And he said, uh, give me the people and you can take all the stuff. 22. Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have already lifted up my hand to the Lord, the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. I will not take a thread. I won't take a shoelace. I'm not taking anything that is yours Because you will never be able to say that you made Abram rich. I know who my God is. I know in whom I have believed. He made me rich. Where was the king of Sodom that night when he had to finance that expedition? Where was anybody else? I know who made me rich. I know who has blessed me. I know why I'm standing here. Hallelujah. And it's got nothing to do with you. Woo. Do you feel closer to your father Abraham tonight? Come on, do you? Have you, have you moved on up a little bit? Huh? Do you feel closer? 
to the rock you're cut out of. You got the same faith coursing in your spirit. You got the same kind of call. Can you hear the spirit calling? Come. Come walk with me. Come do. Come do what men say can't be done. Come do what countries multiplied can't accomplish. Come. Come do with me. Dare to stand when others hide. Dare to step out when others run away. Dare to say I believe God. That it shall be even as it was told me. And so you too shall see the glory of God revealed in the earth. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say stand up on your feet, everybody. Oh, everybody stand on your feet. Lift up your hands. Oh, give glory to God. Give glory to God. Give glory to God. Give glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.